welcome to another episode of the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Today, we're going to share some of our top tips for families. So we've... uh, We're constantly basically experimenting on ourselves as a family, us personally, and there's some things that have worked really well along the way. Some haven't, and those will not make it on this list today. (laughs) But the ones (laughs) that have worked and have really helped us, we will share today. Yes. So I feel like maybe I'm the guinea pig for some of this stuff, but then again, you are too, because you put up with all my productivity experiments, things like that. So, but we don't want to talk about that specific stuff today. This is really just things that can help your family be on the same page. We've talked about the importance of alignment and communicating the vision, like this is where we're going together. And these are just things that can help kind of support that. Yes. So some of these we've actually covered before in depth, some we've mentioned, some we've never even talked about. So this will be basically a lineup of some of our top things that we do as a family, some systems, ideas, tools that we use. And hopefully that there's something in here that will spark something in you to change in your family or in yourself that will just help you out. That's the goal. I should call out here at the beginning, you know, we're going to go through a whole bunch of stuff don't try to do all of these things at once. Oh, that's even, true. That's a good point. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even if you think these are great ideas and you're chomping at the bit to get them implemented in your family, pick one thing at a time. Yes. And then make sure that that's sticking and then move on to the next thing. Yes. So I wanted to start it off by talking about what I have called Command Central. I yep. think you actually mentioned that, that as what we should call that. But Basically, this just happened because Mike received this, I don't know, this little productivity tool in the mail for a freebie. I think they're called McSquares. Yeah. But they're they're pretty great. And uh, what we did is we stuck these on the refrigerator. They're basically like peelable, stickable whiteboard sort of things. And there's weekly and monthly planning ones. There's little checklist ones. Uh, I will take a picture of this and put it in the show notes so people can see what this looks like for us. We stuck them all on the refrigerator. Uh, that was, I think, maybe your idea. And then this is kind of the the place where all of the information that people need as they go about their days uh, yeah. resides. This was a, an unexpected solution because Mike received these in the mail for free from this company to try out. And I said, can I have these? And he's like, sure. I don't think I'll use them personally. Well, let me jump in there real quick because uh, they contacted me because they were fans of the Focus podcast that they do with David Sparks. And they said, hey, we got some free stuff we want to send you. You guys are productivity nerds. We're big fans of the show. You might like these. And so they sent that stuff. They also sent this tablet thing, which I have. So that's like this little whiteboard sort of thing that you can like put on your desk and use dry erase markers with. And I intend to use that for some sort of like video Twitch streaming sort of a thing. But the rest of the stuff, I'm like, well, this looks like it might be useful for all of our family weekly daily planning stuff. So that's where they came from. And we'll put links to these in the show notes too if people want to try these out for themselves. But they're pretty cool. Yeah. So I was finding myself with a monthly planner and different planners and checklists on my phone. And then a menu plan that never got updated in the 
a wall in the kitchen, <laughs> a chalkboard menu. It's one of those like cutesy ones that you can get. And then a general to-do list that was also on my phone. And there wasn't really a central location for the family to all see a monthly calendar, a weekly planner, and checklist. And the boys' schoolwork checklists were in their own binders with their schoolwork. So this stuff was like spread out all over the house on different platforms. And seeing all this, we recognized we could have a command central where all family members could report to this station and see (laughs) what the plan is. And these have been updated regularly. So like Mike said, we will include a picture so you can see it. But what you will see is a monthly calendar, a weekly view, basically. Mm -hmm. And then also there's, I believe, six checklists, one for each of our four boys for their schoolwork. So each day they do dry erase and they check it right off the refrigerator, which is really nice because then I can check in with them and I can see where they're at at any given point. Yep. And then also there's a like family to-do list checklist, which is more like household type stuff that we have to get to. Mm-hmm. And then there's one more, which is our menu plan. And I converted that to being where I used to pick out what we're having each day because that didn't seem to work because some days you're like, well, I kind of feel like making something else. So I just have a list of all the menu options and then each day I choose one. But that's visible for everyone to see. Let's just walk through these real quickly. Um, the checklist for the boys specifically for the school stuff. I feel like this is important because we talked about the office hours thing in the episode on what do you do when things aren't working? Yes. And so the way this works is everything that they need to do for their schoolwork is listed on there. And there's some of it that you're helping them with, but the rest of it, they are figuring out how to get this work done on their own. And they're done when they complete all their work. So as they go through their stuff for the day, they finish a subject, they go over to the refrigerator and they mark that off so that at any point, you know, you could be done with a one-on-one and you could be walking through the kitchen, see the refrigerator, see the current status of everything. Uh, The meal planning, like you said, putting that on there, the goal with that is just consolidate everything. So like everything that gets updated, you know, at the same time, it's all in the same place. Because we had a moment, (laughs) well, I'll tell on us if you don't mind. Where we've we've mentioned that uh, you know we've had people who have come over to our house and they see things and they're like, hey, that's cool. Can I do that? You know, what's the idea behind that? And that's where a lot of the stuff that we share in this podcast, you know, comes from. But we also don't just share the good stuff; we share our mistakes too. So we had the chalkboard sort of meal planning thing and had somebody over and they're like, oh, so barbecued meats that sounds delicious and then at that point i realized oh that was actually from a couple of weeks ago (laughs) Yep. (laughs) so what is a better way that we can track this you know it it kind of was going at that moment i realized it's kind of going against everything else that we were trying to to do with like putting the core values on the walls and things like that making it be something that is meaningful and inspiring because it was out of date you know it wasn't. And so took that down, put it on the fridge, and that seems to have worked a lot better. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And we had the stuff on the refrigerator was actually updated. But because we still had that chalkboard up, the attention was drawn to the chalkboard. Correct, and so correct. I said, well, actually on the refrigerator is our current menu. Yeah, we so, didn't even see it day to day. Yeah, because our attention was on the new thing. 
And so we removed the chalkboard and I hung it in um, my daughter's little fort. She calls it or her office where she has her kitchen <laughs> set and stuff. So I put the mini board in there so she can draw on it. So that is a big explanation for something that has been very, very helpful for us lately. That's probably our most recent. And just to give a detail that to me is very important since I'm the one that writes on them, mm-hmm. they're actually wet erase markers you use on these, which is very, very important because then you don't actually smudge it and have to rewrite it or have to remember <laughs> what was there. So that's yeah. actually really important. And then when the boys check off each day of their, their to-do list, they use dry erase. So mm. I can quickly wipe their check marks without wiping out the list. So I'm not rewriting stuff every day. So wet erase is very, very important on these so that they're, I guess, not permanent, but they don't just wipe off. That's awesome. Thank you for calling that out. All right, that's uh, quite a bit of time on the first one. But so. <laughs> that's prob- that's really truly the biggest one, and that's the most recent. Sure. So, yeah. But the next one we have here is prepare them on Tuesday for what's expected on Wednesday is what I like to say. Basically, it just means set them up for the best behavior be- by communicating and mm-hmm. telling them this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to go, and this is how I expect you to act. This is so important, and this works. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot in that description right there, but I want to focus just on the plan for the next day part. So this is important not just for kids, but for everybody. Yes. And I have kind of been on my own sort of spirit quest for what this looks like for me since the beginning of all this COVID stuff. And uh, I have an article, which I will link to on the suite setup where I talk about like my hybrid system and how I time block for the next day, the night before. Essentially, that's what you're doing. It's like, this is what's going to happen, kids, tomorrow. And you should be ready to act this way. So you're setting the intention and the expectations during these things that are going to happen. But a lot of us as adults, we're just like, I can figure it out when I get there. And that's so unproductive and it's so hard to be effective in that mode. It's way better if you take five minutes and just think through, look at your calendar, look at the appointments that you got to, you got to do the meetings that you have and then slot the rest of the stuff that you want to do the rest of the day around that. And again, all the details are in the post, which I can, I can share, but I just want to encourage people to take that concept and apply it to yourself too. And in fact, I would I would say that if you were to try to implement it with your kids and you don't do it yourself, it's not going to work because you're trying to reproduce something that hasn't been ingrained in yourself first. Yeah. So a simple first step would be setting out your clothes the night before, whether you're even if you're home, honestly, for me, even I'm especially with lockdown stuff, I'm home most of the time except for Tuesdays when we have our community day for school. We've been able to meet in person, thankfully. But the other days I'm at home, but I don't feel good about starting the day with school if I'm still in what I slept in. So I do (laughs) still get ready and at least change and wash my face in the morning. So I still do try and set out my stuff the day before. But even especially when we know we have church the next morning or we Mm -hmm. have our community day, the boys okay, set out what you're going to wear tomorrow and let me let me see it so I can make sure it's appropriate. And just that's a sim- just setting out clothes is a very simple way to get that ingrained. So the clothes example specifically, I want to speak to this because there's a lot more people working from home now than there were previously. And there's a whole bunch of like 
memes going around about people attending meetings and not wearing pants and stuff like that, like all the stereotype stuff. And that's a big mistake that I see people make when they first start working from home is like, oh, I can just do whatever I want, you know, and then they start getting up late and they have trouble sitting down and actually focusing because the TV is right there or whatever, and they just can't get the work done. <laughs> and with the clothes specifically, you know, I've, I've there's a couple different ways that you could you could combat this. I mean, there's it's true that like you could set the tone, you could set out your work clothes, just like you're going into the office, put those on, and then you're going to act much more professional. There's truth in that. But I would also just say that if you were to time block your day and set the intention for at eight o'clock, I'm going to be doing this thing, then you're not going to feel the urge to just stay in your pajamas and you'll find yourself not wasting away the time that you have just from that simple act of saying the plan is tomorrow I'm going to do this thing at this time. Mm -hmm. And even plan um, preparing your children for what's coming ahead. It's even like car rides for us on our way somewhere. We'll talk through, okay, we're doing this thing, whether it's a super casual social thing or it's actually going to a service or going to a funeral or whatever. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, we talk them through what will happen in the how we expect them to act. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You got to cast the vision. And then once you do that, you'll find that they hit it a lot more often than maybe you would have given them credit for. <laughs> yeah. We can't just, I don't know, coast on, oh, they'll figure it out or they should know how to act. No, they shouldn't. They're children. They or need training. I told them before, you need yeah, to tell them a hundred no. times and yeah. they're still not going to mm -hmm. get it. And that's not any, there's not anything wrong with your, your children. <laughs> no. Or you. I mean, correct. That's the very nature of people. Yep. Adults aren't really much different. <laughs> it's true. Just big kids. Yep. <laughs> so the next one I have is keep what's most important, most important. Yep. The <laughs> what, main thing, the main thing. Yes. What's, what's the most important foundational part of your family? For us, it's our faith in Jesus. So prayer time, Bible time, serving others is really at the core of who we are. And so... We try and do our best to first thing in the morning have some sort of time where that it reflects that it reflects our foundation. It reflects who we are. Yes. So it's in important for our children to see us doing it too, and not just us telling them. Exactly. So we want to share with you a little story from when our oldest was nine. He's now thirteen, and our second son was seven. Before you get there, uh, I would say because you. you mentioned something that I think is really important in regards to the things that are the most important to you. It's got to be more, more is caught than is actually taught. Very true. So you have to model the things for yourself. And before you can do that, you got to be able to locate yourself. So if you're wondering what really is the most important thing for me, look at how you spend your time and look at how you spend your money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because your checkbook and your calendar are both reflections of the priorities in your life. And if you don't like what you see, then make some adjustments. But we had to go through that ourselves first. And then, like you said, we believe that the most important thing for us is our faith in God. So if that's the most important, what does that look like? How do we spend our time? It means that we get up first thing in the morning and spend time with God, reading our Bible and time praying. And then 
once we have established that, then we can try to reproduce it in our kids, which is the story you were going to tell. Yeah, so going back a few years ago, well, our pastor for years had always put out a Bible reading plan for the year to read through the Bible in one calendar year. And, you know, we had been doing that for quite a while. And I asked our oldest, do you want a copy of Pastor's Plan? Would you be interested in trying to read through the Bible this year? And he would always have a big like dinner sort of a thing at the end for the people who made it all the way the way through. Yeah. So it was n- kind of like a, a reward for following through on the commitment that you made, but it wasn't like he was trying to bribe people no. doing this. And it no. wasn't like you had to bring your checklist to make, you know, they were going to go over it, make sure that you did it every single day or you you get turned away, that sort of thing. It was just a celebration of, hey, look what you did. This is a, a big accomplishment and this is important and this is going to produce good fruit in your life. And I want to recognize that. Yeah. So our pastor did that for a few years, then he kind of stopped. But when I asked my oldest son, Toby, he's like, yeah, I'd love to. So I picked up the plan for him. And then our son who at the time was seven, Joshua, he was a very strong reader already. And I recognized that he would be probably follow through on some of this too. So um, I encouraged Toby to try and read through the whole Bible and he was willing to. And Joshua, he read through the whole New Testament. And at the end of the year, we gave them each a hundred dollars. And we told them we would do that. And it wasn't proposed as like a bribe at all. It was more so like, this is really awesome and we do this and this really impacts our life. So if you guys do this and you follow through, we want to reward you with this. Yes, with the intention that if we could get them to create this habit, then this was going to stick the rest of their life. And small sample size so far, but it has. (laughs) That was four years ago. Yeah. And they have read their Bible every day for the last four years. Exactly. So once once they got into the habit, I think, you know, they recognized even at their age that this feels really good. And I like the effect that this is having in my life. And now they do it first thing when they get up in the morning. Uh, and so at the beginning, maybe the money was the motivator, but very quickly it it wasn't anymore. And I had asked them if they were interested in doing this before any mention of any reward, and they both were really interested in wanting to do it. So that was, first and foremost, really important because they never would have stuck with it if they didn't have that want to before any reward was even mentioned. And the principle here, you know, you can apply this a bunch of different ways, um, but I do think there is something about creating a reward and recognizing that this is not just a bribe. Uh, This is the intentional formation of positive habits and getting your kids to establish these habits that you know will pay off in the long run, long after they become adults. If you can help them to master showing up every day in these er these areas that you consider important now, that's just going to produce fruit for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's so valuable. Next, I want to share with you about stars and strikes. So this is just one of the, I guess, disciplinary tools that we've used over the years. Stars are awarded, we've mentioned this before, with exemplary behavior, such as like instant obedience, helping without being asked, that sort of a thing. Strikes are given for disobedience, defiance, dishonesty. Three strikes in a given day, and they lose their video games for that day. Mm -hmm. 
if severity of behavior grants it, they will lose them for longer than a day. Sometimes they've lost him for a week. That's mm-hmm. very few and far between. But to our children, our boys anyway, video games, they just love video games. Okay? Video games are very important to so, a young boy. <laughs> so to lose them is like, I don't want to use the word devastating because it's really dramatic. But I mean... To a six-year-old, <laughs> they can be. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. You know, the fact that this is really important to them because they are young and they want what they want and they want it now. That's just who they are. That's just their stage in life. You can't get upset when your kids are selfish. Like, you got to teach them how We're to... born selfish. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I recognize that that's the, the nature there that you're going to have to work against, but you can overcome that. And so... When they do lose video games and they are completely devastated, like you're not celebrating the fact that, oh, you feel really bad about this, but you're helping them to work through all these emotions and figure out, you know, what can I do better next time so that I don't get this outcome? It's kind of the same idea with the growth mindset and failing forward. You know, you want to teach your kids not to never fail, (laughs) but you want to teach them how to navigate the emotional roller coaster when they do fail so that they can respond appropriately. Yeah, it is very important that there are um, rewards, but also consequences. Yep. And the stars and the strikes, you know, with the strikes, they get three strikes and they lose video games for the day. Uh, What that does is it gives them more chances to catch themselves. Yeah. Same thing with the, the stars. Like you want to bring attention to the things that are the way that you want them. You want to reproduce those good behaviors. And then you also want to bring attention to things when they're not acting the way that they should so that they can make the adjustments on their own and fix things. You know, we don't want to just force them to comply with mom and dad's rules. We want to help them to decide, you know, the best way of acting based on like the consequences that come from (laughs) their actions. Yeah. And we have one boy in particular who he could just kind of start the day grumpy and he'll get two strikes really quick off the bat in the morning and I really try and help him rein it in because I don't want him to think that the rest of his day is ruined because of a bad start Yep. and it's not that I'm bending over backwards to help prevent him from getting three strikes and losing video games it's really not that at all but for him it's really important that he gets a hold of those emotions and he turns it around yep. and he's and he sees that oh I didn't get a third strike so because I changed it because I changed myself and my attitude I was still able to do my work well and play my video games it doesn't matter how you start it matters how you finish and yes. that is true for everybody yes. in life <laughs> yes because I mean we've all experienced that yep. or we can start off one way And then we can get a hold of ourselves and our emotions and we can totally turn it around. And they're little, but this principle is the same. Mm -hmm. So I want to just give him tools to recognize his emotions and overcome that. Yep, exactly. So the next one we have actually talked about before, but the family unit being a team. And the way that we enforce that is by our pie chart. So this is also like a team family effort, but then also establishing routines um, in our children so that they're set up as they're older to be responsible. So we have a big whiteboard in our main hallway, 
and we have six pie charts and these track their behavior mm-hmm. and it's done as a team. We win or lose as a team. Yep. So each of these six pies has seven slices representing the seven days of the week. They either complete it successfully or they don't. If they complete it, it gets filled in. Mm-hmm. So when all the pies are filled, they get a reward at the end of the week. They are allowed to lose one slice of pie for the whole week out of the six pies, which sounds like how on earth can they do that? (laughs) Yeah. But this has been a process. We started, I think, with only three pies years ago, Mm -hmm. and we've kind of built over the years as they have um, kind of gotten some of them ingrained. And we're also not being completely legalistic about, no, well, you a, didn't do this automatically, so you yeah. lost it. Again, there's a lot of reminders. and Yeah, but that's part of yeah. training yes. a child, you yeah. know, is bringing attention to the choice that is before them and helping them to choose correctly. <laughs> yes. They're not going to do it by default automatically. That's okay. The goal is to get them to the point where they're doing it by default by the time they're 18 and they're leaving. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a family team effort, including mom and dad. Yep. Yep. So we're there cheerleading them and guiding them along the way. But the goal is also for them as siblings to help remind each other and learn how to do that in a nice, positive way, not in a nagging, like Mm -hmm. sibling yucky way. Yeah. And the lesson from this I mean, there's lots of places that you could draw this from, but the thing that speaks to me, I guess, is just an athletic example of how in a team, everybody has to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think football is maybe the best example of this or something like soccer, where everybody has to be in the right position, doing the right thing. The guard or the tackle in the offensive line can't be like, well, the quarterback's not going to do his job, so I'm going to go get the ball and throw it instead. Like Their job is to protect the quarterback and to block the defensive lineman who wants to take him down. And if everybody's not in the right place doing the right thing, then the play doesn't work, and you don't score, you don't win. So that's kind of what we're going for is we don't want to – we don't want anybody freelancing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As our yeah. pastor puts it, <laughs> yeah. uh, we want everybody to be doing the right thing, not just for themselves, but to get their eyes off of you know their own little thing that's right in front of them and recognize how their role influences the rest of the team, the rest of the organization, the rest of the body. And uh, when everybody understands the big picture, then and only then can you handle your your stuff. Yeah, so just to list briefly what we have currently, it's um, all their laundry put away each day, that they have manners when we're in car rides, which that was an easy one because we're not in the car as much these days. Their toys are tidy in their rooms, but then also in the family spaces, um, that they have manners at mealtime, that they are you know good listeners at bedtime, brushing teeth twice a day so those are our six currently and like i said we've added some over the years it used to i think it started as three Mm -hmm. but next up is probably one of my favorites right this is like the original parenting hack like i've told this to so many people and everybody's like oh that is genius it's (laughs) the okay to awake clock yep Yep. Basically, it's sleep training for your children. We have a clock that switches colors at 7 a.m., which is like, you can get up now. Mm-hmm. So this takes some time. Uh, it's not automatic, but what this does 
is it creates time and space for us to complete our morning routines before having to deal with everybody else. We've talked about the principle from like the airlines, you get on an airplane and they tell you put your own oxygen mask on first before assisting other passengers. Same idea here. You got to protect the golden goose. You got to do your own morning routine first. And so we bought this clock and it changes colors at 7 a.m. And we taught our kids, basically, you can't come out of your room until your clock is is green. And uh, for a while, we could hear them in their rooms, like they were playing, but sometimes they get a little bit rowdy, but that's okay. Like they're in their room <laughs> until 7 a.m. And that gives us the time that we need to do our stuff. And then it's like, release the hounds. <laughs> And you're in a much better place to deal with things. You're less emotional. You're not going to fly off the handle because you've done what you need to do first. Yeah. And our older one, our oldest two boys, they don't have one in the room anymore, but our younger two boys who are currently eight and six, they have one and it's very helpful for our youngest son who's an early riser. He abides by it. Like he'll get up beforehand to use the restroom but then he's you know we've taught him to go back in your room and rest some more it's okay if you don't actually fall asleep just lay down and rest it's very important and we're actually currently sleep training our daughter adelaide who just turned three and she got an okay her own okay to wake clock in her room and so we're working with her on that and she still sleeps in a crib very shortly she will have a toddler bed yeah but I do think that the timing here is kind of important. Like, get her trained on the clock before she has the ability to That's just get goal. up. That's the goal. That is the goal. Exactly. Yeah. Once she has that down, I'll take the front thing off her crib and it'll be a toddler bed. Yep. Even though she can climb out, but she tends not to. Yeah. So she'll just yell for me, which is always <laughs> pleasant, as you know, moms. Anyway, uh, the next one. Oh, this is such a good one. This might be a whole episode eventually. Mealtime. It needs to be, yeah, for sure. This, years and years ago, when my oldest was a toddler, I was telling a story to a very important person in our life, Mrs. Nelson, and I told her this battle we had at mealtime with our son, how he was refusing to eat. And we said, well, this is what we're serving. You're going to eat. And he was only 18 months at the time. But it was one of those moments I recognized, oh my goodness, we need to get a handle on this because he's just being defiant about not eating. Exactly. It wasn't that, you know, it was something that he absolutely hated or whatever. It was just not what he, he wanted. He was being a stinker, okay? Exactly. And she said- He can't even talk, but yeah. he is throwing a fit and you can tell that yeah. like, he's just trying to impose Hold- his will on you. Yes. <laughs> Holding the food in his mouth like a chipmunk. Like Anyway. She said to me, if you can win the war at mealtime, you've already won many future battles. <laughs> and I have not found out how true those words are until as the years have gone on. And that was a long time ago. Yes. That was 11 years ago. And it's so, so true. You know, when you were talking earlier about preparing the kids for what's coming up and the expectations for how they're going to act. I am thinking specifically of a couple of trips that we've taken where we have all five of our kids, we're getting on an airplane and we're flying to, to Florida to visit grandma and grandpa. And every time people see us coming with our five kids on a plane. It's like a circus. Like, it's a spectacle. Well, they all stop and watch. It kind of is. But then usually they're like, wow, I can't believe how you guys just like have this down. <laughs> It's because we plan every single moment. It is. It is. But I got to call out our kids. Like, they do a great job. They do, yeah. 
and I have been like I used to fly every eight weeks before all of the COVID stuff. And so I have seen many a, a child on an airplane where they're just throwing a fit and it's not even that they're like really upset. Some of them you can tell they're playing mom and dad like a piano because they want the iPad. They yep. want the screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they know that mom and dad will do just about anything in this scenario yeah. to keep them quiet. <laughs> and I think that kind of stems with this back to this like mealtime thing because I've also seen a lot of parents where they, you know, will be out with their their kids and something is being served and the kids don't want to eat it and they know basically like if they complain loud enough they can get what they want Um, so same principle here but if you practice this at home with mealtime which you've got you know three opportunities every single day yeah to win this fight you know then it's a lot easier when it's public i think it was ed cole who said that Private practice precedes public performance. It's so true. Yeah. Well, that that applies to discipline with your kids too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not instilling in them like, you're going to eat this or you're going to be sorry sort of a thing. It's just like, nope. Calmly this replying, we... this is what we made. This is what you have. This is what you're we have. You're not getting something else. I'm not a short order cook. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> one of our sons i don't know why but when he's at other people's houses he doesn't eat much he just has this like familiarity thing like well it's not what my mom makes so i had to work with him on that and be like no when you're at someone's house you eat what serves you just like at home and he wasn't being stinky about it he just is very much a homebody so it was mm-hmm. like well this isn't familiar and yep. in restaurants too like the fact that they can eat what served them that doesn't happen unless you do it at home mm-hmm. right So the next one is uh, chapter book reading. This is pretty simple, but uh, uh, family literacy is incredibly beneficial and it can be accomplished by reading a chapter book out loud or listening to audiobooks that can be in the car. But there's been times where we I've read a chapter a day with the kids in the spring I read the first uh, first book in the Little House series, and the kids were just so intrigued by all the differences, like no running water and all these crazy things. And they, their imagination was just going crazy, like thinking about how different life would be. Yeah. And we've gone through the Chronicles of Narnia series. So uh, this, we don't always do this, but this has been a very, very fun thing as a family. The important thing is to instill in them a love of reading. Uh, Readers are leaders. It always amazes me how many adults like can't remember the last book that they read. And uh, there's a lot of discipline that's required in order to do this sort of thing. A lot of focus, a lot of attention, because it's not noise that's going to be thrown in your face. You have to read the words that are on the page. The book is not going to make a single sound. It's not going to open itself up. It's not going to present you a picture. Um, So if you can teach your kids the power of doing that from the written word, then that opens up a lot of stuff to them. I mean, we're recording this in my office. I have a a bunch of books on the shelf. And I had to teach myself 
to do that. You know, I when I was a little kid, I read a lot, and then I didn't do much of it other than school for many, many, many years. And now that I've gotten back in the, the habit, I see the fruit that comes from that. And so really that's what we want to instill in our, our kids is that desire to, to read. And it doesn't matter if it starts with stories or fiction or whatever. It's just the something about picking up a physical book and reading it. Yeah. And for my one son who's not really enjoyed reading and he's getting better, but that's been a huge plus for him is because I'm improving his literacy by reading to him. We that is it literally does help them with their reading by being read too. Even if he wasn't a strong reader himself, that was helping him grow and develop. Yeah, he will be at some point down the road because you're doing that right now. Yeah. And it starts it honestly even starts before they're born in the womb. There's been studies and they found great benefit from those parents that actually read to their baby before they're born. Yep. It's pretty amazing. Oh, are you ready for this next one? I think this might be one of your favorites. Oh, it definitely is. And I had on, a nickel for every time I said this. End on a win. No, this is <laughs> no, this is crazy powerful. Yep. So Mike says this all the time. Whenever we're something or somewhere and we're transitioning or whatever, he says, end on a win. He can just yep. he can whisper it to me and I know exactly what he means. So <laughs> let me give you an example. You're getting together with another family. Let's say you're going to the park and you spend an hour at the park together. Everybody's had a great time, but the kids are kind of like pushing their boundaries and they're starting to do stuff where like you know if they continue to do this, they continue to try to one up one another, eventually somebody's gonna get hurt. Okay, so this is the moment where you want to take control of the situation and instead of waiting for something bad to happen and then being like, okay, now we'll go home, you want to say, hey, this was great and get everybody in the car and leave and everybody's got a positive reaction to everything that just happened. And this is especially important, I think, for relationship building with uh, with small kids. Like if you're a two-year-old, three-year-old, whatever, you... Uh, remember getting together with this this friend or this family, especially if you don't see them a lot, like it's important to build positive memories. And if all you remember is you fell from the monkey bars and you hurt your knee, that that com- completely destroys like everything else. You don't remember anything else. Yeah, that's true. So ending on a win, what that does is it kind of cements that in your memory, your long-term memory as like that was a positive experience with these people and then you want to do it again. Yes, this is so, so important. And sometimes we can get trapped in like, well, I don't want this to end. This is so fun doing this or right now. But then what we lose is ending on a win. Yeah, and you don't have to, it's not an either or sort of thing. But if you're watching the way that your kids are acting, you can usually tell, there's usually warning signs. The wheels don't just all of a sudden fall off. <laughs> you can tell when things are getting a little bit sketchy, and that's the moment when you want to be like, okay, I guess we're getting to the end anyways, so I am going to direct this now to make sure that we end on a positive. Yeah, and this is a very powerful principle of how you 
exit one thing is how you're going to enter the next thing. Oh my goodness, yes. So it's so true. Like if we end something on a bad note, the car ride home or whatever it may be that's next is never as positive. Yep, yep, exactly. The last one we're going to share today is us versus them. <laughs> this is a principle that mom and dad come first. And let's let's explain that a little bit. So the relationship between my husband and I started far before we had children, right? So we have to protect the golden goose, I guess, as the phrase goes. <laughs> we have to protect our relationship. And the trap with having children, as you all may know, if you have children, is that are they basically demand attention, right? And mm-hmm. they require hands-on training and a big response they're a big responsibility. So what can happen is all of a sudden we don't do go on dates anymore. We don't even attempt to do a night away anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't celebrate things like we should anymore because the children take up all of our time and we can even feel guilty about doing that. But it is incredibly important. Our family will only be as strong as what our marriage is. Yeah, I remember the revelation on this for me came when we were at a couple's retreat. We call it a couple's advance at our church. Uh, And the teaching was on Genesis, how Adam was placed in the garden and his job was to tend his garden. And he didn't do a very good job The snake came in, lied to Eve. They got deceived. They got kicked out. That's the Mike Schmitz paraphrase version. (laughs) (laughs) But the principle here is that you have to tend your garden, and your marriage is a garden. Uh, I hate pulling weeds. Oh, yeah. You have to, because if you don't, then pretty soon they just take over everything. It doesn't get better. Exactly. They're all over the place, and... Ultimately, like in a garden, they are stealing the nutrients from the the plants that are you actually want to grow. So you need to do the work and pull those things before things get unruly. Uh, the things that you were talking about, not going on date nights, not going on the overnights, that is neglecting your garden, neglecting your relationship. And again, it's easy to do because kids are demanding your attention and... Ultimately, you know, if you've got real little kids, they can't survive on their own. No, they can't. Your spouse can for a little while, (laughs) hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) So it's easy to just shift priorities there. But we try to remind our kids all the time that our relationship comes first. Like I'll say daddy's my favorite and you'll say mommy's my favorite. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So that does a whole bunch of things. Number one, it kind of diffuses the, well, I can't get what I want from mom, so I'll go ask dad. Yes. And they try to play you against each other. When they know that mom and dad are a team and they are going to be, they're going to say the same thing, uh, or even if they wouldn't naturally say the same thing, they know that if they're going to come talk to me, I'm going to go ask mom what actually happened and believe her over anything that they would say. Like they know their place in the pecking order, basically. Yeah. Sounds kind of bad to say it that way, but it it is true. You know, I like you said, mom is my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm going to always believe her over you guys. I'm always going to take her side. On one level, that sounds kind of mean, but you can kind of see in your kids too when you say these things, like 
a peace or a rest that comes yes. to them. Yes, they feel safe because that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be, yeah. exactly. Yep. They know things are in the proper order now and that makes them feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yes, It. I can't stress too much the importance of building the relationship because we change so much over time. And if we're not regularly, consistently building our relationship as a married couple, then we kind of lose sight of why we started this in the first place. And that's, I believe, the big reason why people can be married for decades and get divorced when their kids are all out of the house because they failed to continually grow together. Yep. And it, it breaks my heart to see. And I will do everything I can to prevent that from happening. Right, right. Uh, I know we kind of talked about that um, when we started having kids. Like when they leave the nest, we don't want to not know who each other are anymore. We yeah. want to have an awesome relationship all the way through. Yep. So that's kind of the inspiration behind that. Uh, I know we're running long and we got a whole bunch more that we could, <laughs> we could <laughs> yeah. share. Can I just throw in one more bonus one here? Yeah. That's and that's the tactical gratitude. <laughs> okay. I say tactical gratitude because I think we've maybe shared this story before. Um, we, and we definitely talked about the importance of gratitude uh, with each other, but you can apply this in situations with your kids as well. I am thinking specifically of times when we've been in the car, we've got a captive audience, people are fighting and just like, okay, that's it. We are going to express gratitude to Malachi <laughs> right now. Okay, Toby, you go. And nobody wants to do it in the natural. Like they're, they're all fighting. Grumpy. Exactly. But you force yourself to start finding the positive and then pretty soon it snowballs and by the end it's easy. Everyone's and, happy yeah, and chatty yeah. and it completely changes the atmosphere. It completely changes everybody's attitudes. And so don't underestimate the power of gratitude and absolutely like use it with your kids to just stop their emotional response to whatever's going on and force them to find the positive. You can't do it all the time, obviously, but deploy it tactically, you know? Yes, this is very powerful. So we hope that today was inspirational and that you weren't bogged down with the volume of things that we shared, but can pick out maybe one thing to try this week. And again, try not to do all of it. <laughs> Just pick yep. one thing to start. But as we are constantly experimenting on ourselves and our family and what works and what doesn't, we hope that that inspires you to do the same. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. It was an honor to walk with you today in this journey. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.